Hey, welcome to another episode of Cutting Through the Noise. Uh, this is Sean. I'm here with Kyle, and today we are talking about the Traction Channel sales. Sales, Sean. Lots of people talking about sales. Well, it is a key component to having a successful business. Yeah, I was thinking before we started recording, like, could, can you think of a business that doesn't require some form of sales? Or I was even thinking about teaching, you know, that if, when you're a teacher, I mean, you really have to sell long division. You're teaching second grade, or when do they start learning long division? That sounds early. Probably a little after second <laughs> Maybe grade. Maybe a little later. Maybe sophomore year in college. Maybe sophomore year in college. You're, you're pitching long division, and you've really got to sell this. You're pitching Shakespeare to you know, bleary-eyed freshmen. Get, you got to get them excited about that. Yeah, just a little. I think, you know, that's a good point, too, because when you come to think about sales, first thing people come to mind is just consumer products. So, you know, we talk a lot about our e-commerce clients here on this podcast, and, um, you know, because it's something we, we really tackle well. Um, but it's not just selling widgets. Right. You know, there's B2B sales. There's selling ideas. Um, you know, there's selling things on people, convincing people. So it's important yeah. to realize that sales is is not just door-to-door salesmen selling encyclopedias. Right. It seemed like the traction channel, specifically in the book traction, talks a lot about uh, when they need like a personal touch, when they need some hand-holding to get across the finish line, different than, like you mentioned, purchasing a sweatshirt or a widget online, um, which I think is something we come across a lot. When we're dealing with businesses that do work on a, you know, a sales funnel. They need more top of funnel leads. So maybe we can use a bank as an example. We've used this before. We always find seem to talk finance. Um, you know, a bank and a lot of the tracking channels we've already talked about: paid search, paid social, content targeting blogs. Like the goal of those for a lot of businesses is to drive them to a site and then take like step one: not convert for a purchase, but inquire, call, um, visit campus if you're a college, or maybe just walk into the bank if you're a bank. Um, and so I don't know if you have any insight or thoughts on, you know, a lot of times we ask folks, well, what happens once this lead comes in? So this lead form gets submitted, it lands in your inbox or it lands on your desk, then what? And a lot of time we get kind of blank stares back. And that's where we can help okay, we're going to set up automated emails, but do you have any thoughts on maybe from a bank standpoint? And let's say the goal is home loans. So step one, they want to drive people to their site, so other traction channels cover that. But sales specifically covers like the processes taking someone from that first step to, okay, you're lending with us. Yeah, you know, think about First Security Bank here in Missoula and – you know, they spend a lot of money on advertising. Um, you know, you see sort of these display ads they have you know, on the Missoula Current, you know, other news websites. And the thing I like about them is they're very personal. They actually have pictures of the loan officers in the ad. Mm. And it's saying, you know, hey, reach out to Corey. I want to talk to you about your home loan. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's their way of getting people to the website. Right. I think, um, you know, in the case of somebody submitting a form, asking for more information, you know, the the next step is, let's call him Corey, sort of needing to to reach out and just sort of a personal introduce himself, you know, how can I help you? I think when you think about lead generation and other businesses, 
you know, it could be just an automated email chain because it does have to be scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you come to something like finance, you know, the sales process really starts with that first touch point. Yeah. You know, people are going to submit a lot of forms. They're going to submit to get quotes. And if you're just getting a bunch of, you know, automated sort of generic emails, um, you know, that's not really a place where I think you'd want to drop a lot of money. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point with that initial conversation. Right. It, it's different it's, by vertical. Mm-hmm. But the thing I like about that example is it's personal from the first touch point, which is the display ad. Home loans, college enrollment. There's a lot of education in those areas as well. Uh, and I think that's tough to come through an email. Yeah, I like think... We're going to teach you everything you need to know from... Email, automation one. Hello, first name. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, you know, with home loans, too, you want to, since there is the education and it is going to be a long process, I think you want to be comfortable with the person on the other end. I think universities can be a little bit more of a mix, mm-hmm. um, especially when you think about sort of the demographic. I mean, what one of the universities we work with is using text messaging as their sales, yeah. you know, channel mm-hmm. um, or means of communication. So you kind of, when you think about sales overall, you know, obviously, just like anything, you have to know your audience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is a B2C versus kind of B2B thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think, you know, on the Geofly side of our business, yeah. you know, obviously you've been, you know, doing B2B sales since, you know, day one, customer mm-hmm. number one. You know, how do you see that as different than when we're, you know, selling consumer products? I definitely still think there's an education piece. So... And there's a little bit more coaching people into how to make this purchase. It's one of the things they kind of talk about um, in a lot of sales books that I've read is coaching people across the finish line. You and I can both go on Amazon and order a consumer product pretty easily. We don't need to be coached on how to do that. Where we might need some help is um, if we're purchasing a snowblower and we've never purchased a snowblower before. And so we might need to go and get, you know, we might want to go look at it. We might want we might even want to test drive it, right? And I guess we'd have to wait for the first snowstorm to do that. It'd be kind of weird snowblowing uh, your driveway. No, I think when you take that snowblower off the lot, it depreciates, and that's kind of it. That's that could be that could be true. Um, but to your point with GeoFly, you know, we find that asking a lot of questions of the person who's inquiring um, to really understand what they're looking for. GeoFly, as a reminder personalize this content based on location on your existing website to us in-house we're like of course on your existing site for some that find us they really wonder okay so is this do you also integrate with advertising and and so a lot of the questions that we're asking are coaching them and guiding them toward understanding what exactly am I trying to solve and usually it's I have a website that is underperforming then GeoFly can help um but there is effort to get there. When someone's purchasing a sweatshirt, you don't have to talk to them and say, so what happens when the temperature drops below 40? Yeah, I get really cold. Like, <laughs> have you thought of a solution for that? Well, no. Well, it just so happens that we have this thing and it heat escapes this, from your neck and you can... It has a thread count. It has a thread count, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really... Uh, it's been a ton of learning on the GeoFly sales side. And I think ultimately it's about persistence. Like when we, you know, if we had a calendar up and said for the next 30 days, we're 
you know, spending two hours a day on sales-focused activities, um, by the end of that month, we would have more customers. Um, but things come up. You come up and you want to delight clients, and you're writing a content article, and, um, and you know, a new feature that you're excited about, you want to onboard your existing clients with. Um, so I think persistence is also something not mentioned in the book, but just in, in other sort of successful business cases, you always hear persistence, persistence, like sales and shaving, the two things you should do daily. <laughs> well, what's the um, uh, specific challenges um, in terms of longer sales cycles? You know, when you're thinking about B2B yeah. specifically, you know, my dad sold um, big steam turbines. Um, wow you know, for 35 years for Westinghouse and Siemens. And obviously the sales cycle when you're buying a steam turbine for your power plant is going to be quite long, yeah. um, much <laughs> longer than, than sort of the Amazon example. That's not really something you go to Home Depot and get like the snowblower, right. um, you know, big truck. But so in terms right. of sales cycles, especially with universities and, you know, things like that, what, what are the specific challenges and how do you kind of overcome them? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it with just length of sales cycle. Um, I think there's ways you can overcome those types of objections, making things easy, like your price point, you know, um, understanding that at most universities for any decision over $5,000, they need to get a request for a proposal. It's usually brought to a committee. So if you can sort of make your product committee proof in some way, making it easy for a decision maker to purchase, uh, that's definitely one way. Um, and really understanding, it all comes down to understanding your end customer. So we talked finance before, and we've talked to a couple uh, potential bank clients that have really stressed the privacy side of things. And so taking that information and those data points back in-house and thinking about, well, how can we better communicate that you know our app is secure, um, that we don't collect personal information, and just to alleviate some of those things that just take longer like well I gotta bring this up the chain and get it to my supervisor um, and then the other one is just having processes in place that if it is truly a longer sales cycle let's say it's 180 days for a university finding ways to take yourself out of that equation and jumping them onto a free trial so they don't have to take it to a committee before they start testing it uh, let them experience it let them experience some wins so how did this how did this software improve your website? Um, letting them feel that makes it easier for them to become your evangelists. I think that's ultimately uh, the core is they're going to, in a, in a longer sales cycle, they might have to be pitching to a committee. Like, like let's say even at a $2,000 price point per year or something like that, they, they have to pitch to a committee. Making sure they're on your team, showing them that the product works, like evangelizing them for your service or product. Uh, I'd say nine times out of ten, it ends up in a in a sale. You know, we talk about length and persistence. At, at what point do you um, decide it's time to to kind of move on? Aside from somebody saying unsubscribe or yeah. changing their phone number. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and in the in the channel chapter here, it talks a lot about sort of wasting time on leads that aren't going to uh, going to convert. In some ways that you just kind of get a sense for it, like the earlier you are as a business, every customer, you know, the first dollar from a, from a stranger is so important and just getting some data points is so key. And then as you really evolve, um, you can get a little more selective. 
and you start to get better at identifying like who's calling to just do research about cool new technology and who actually needs this product and is going to implement it. Um, and I think you can just ask, like, what level, you know, how urgent is this? Uh, through some of those clarifying questions, your initial phone calls, understanding, like, is this a real problem they're having or are they just kind of curious about this technology? Is it summer at the university and they've got their feet up and they're like, well, what am I going to do on this Wednesday? Huh? Maybe I'll book some demos. <laughs> or, hey, we got to improve this website. It's, it's a billable hour. That, that's all they're looking at. Yeah, I'm not sure I, I answered that question uh, fully. I'm sure there's some some better sort of metrics to use to to analyze that. But I think it's also kind of coaching yourself into yeah. you know just because you're stopping a um, you know conversation or it's just you know exhausted all opportunities it's not like it's a failed you know it doesn't convert mm -hmm. um but you're not giving up you're just taking your time yeah. and optimizing it and using it um you know for for stronger leads yeah and i i think there's also like tracking your history you know understanding what it looks like in your sales funnel that okay your demo to you know second demo conversion rate or demo to purchase rate so for software or even for home loans, like if you have a if you have a loan officer that meets with 100 people and they close 70 percent of those meetings. I don't know if that's probably an insane amount. Let's say 50. And then there's loan officer two that meets with 100 people and closes 25, like learning from what is the person that's closing the 50 percent doing differently, because sometimes somebody might be inquiring and um, I think there's an old sales saying, like, they're not on the lot unless they want to buy. Like, you can go to an open house just for fun, but I'm sure there's been cases where someone's like, let's just pop in for fun, and then they're putting a down payment on this home. Right. And it's like, you know, not ignoring those people who you think, oh, this person's just kind of shopping or window shopping, but figuring out how can we take window shoppers and convert them into customers. I think there's ways to do that. Well, I think a big part of it, too, is... Um especially with banks like on every corner there's like three banks like sometimes i think the banks are attached to each other and so <laughs> right. there is a lot of competition so i think in terms of you know people are going to shop around we talk about home loans people mm -hmm. are going to try to find the best fit so i think in the sales process differentiating yourself right from everybody else is what i think is going to attract the people who are just popping in um, sort of doing the window shopping yeah. because you're showing why you're unique and why they don't want to lose the opportunity in sort of this unique um, relationship. Totally. And and just to jump back to Geofly quickly, you know, those leads that sometimes don't uh, transpire, they're on our email list. They, you know, they, we might be connected to them on LinkedIn. Um, we might, uh, they might have a blog that we might want to guest post for. So it's not always, the transaction isn't always, did they input their credit card into our system? Did they get a home loan from us? Sometimes it can be, did they, do they now know about us and could they potentially recommend us to somebody else down the, down the road? So not to sort of dismiss somebody as not eligible. Yeah, we talk a lot about micro conversions and I think yeah. that's an example there where, you know, you get somebody to take an action that could potentially be beneficial for your business is obviously not as high as your credit card, but it is sort of a conversion in the sense that you got them a little further down the yeah. road as opposed to just, uh, I'm changing my phone number. Right. And, and what's your incentive structure if you're leading a sales team? Like, is it only close rates? 
Like if that's the case, then they're probably going to dismiss the the fresh college graduate who just took a role as like a digital analyst and doesn't have decision making power. Um, but what if you evangelize that person, get them behind your product? Well, that person's moving up the ladder someday, and someday they might say, "This is a product that we've got to." When they have the decision making power, it's in their hands. So it's an interesting, uh, you know, wasting time in sales is kind of an interesting concept. Um, the sales funnel, different for all types of verticals. You know, we, we see e-commerce clients that convert at 3%, so 3% of their website visitors that come to their website convert into paying customers. Imagine if that was true for universities. 3% of visitors to a university website enroll. <laughs> They'd have to build some more dorms. I think so. There would be more buildings. So like you said, just thinking about those micro-conversions digitally and then um, really tracking, you know, it's, it's, easy, it's so easy to say, like track your demo to close rate and track all this stuff. And we could get better at it here even, but uh, I think that's so key. And uh, if you're trying to scale a sales process where you're having to talk to a customer, I think understanding what your like demo to close rate is or meeting to close rate is and, and seeing what you can do to improve that. Even at a university, I always thought, hey, figure out what your campus visit to enroll rate is like people who are on people who come to your campus visit and then benchmark that and say how can we improve how can we hand them the application at the campus visit how can we uh get give them a bike tour you know all sorts of fun stuff you could do to improve that experience i think in that case if you're getting people on campus for a campus tour obviously they're you know going to be interested especially sure. if they're you know from out of state like when i went to campus tours i wasn't gonna you know go 2,000 miles away, do a campus tour, and then just kind of be like, well, that, that was just window shopping. That right. was just, I just really wanted to see the inside of the basketball stadium, so that's the only reason. Another I library. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, anything else with sales? There's bookshelves of sales books out there, so we're, we are literally scratching the surface of all the sales knowledge that exists in the world. Um, I, I do think the, the personal touch in 2019 is really key. Like, it, you stand out. Yeah, and that you know, just goes back to the competition yeah. type thing. In a world of bots and automation, it it can really be refreshing to call a number and wait, is this a real you're a real human? That's as far as we know. As far as we know. Exactly. On that note, robots, Sean and Kyle, signing off. We have been uh roboting this podcast. I'm going to buy a snowblower. <laughs> Here we go. All right, see ya.